Hello and welcome to November's edition of Book Blather Fact Fiction and Fabulousness. This month we will be celebrating non-fiction November with our first ever non-fiction book and we will be reviewing Marcus Rashford's book You Can Do It, How to Find Your Voice and Make a Difference. We'll also be discussing some activities to do with Book Week Scotland so as always go and get yourself a cup of tea, maybe a bit of cake seeing as the, the nights are getting longer you need some cake to keep you going. So enjoy! This month's book then is Marcus Rashford's You Can Do It. It's got a subtitle, which I will be coming to. Yes. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I have to say, before we start this, when you said we were going to read a book by a footballer, I, I will be honest, I am not great with football. And I was a bit kind of, I was a bit on the fence about it, but I was like, do you know what? I'm going to give it a go. We'll see what it is. But do you know what? It was fantastic. What a book. I, I really enjoyed reading it. Do you know, Marcus Rashford as a writer mm -hmm. as well as as a footballer. And of course, I've just realised that the World Cup starts this month. Oh, so yeah. we couldn't have done that oh, better if we tried. Look at that, eh? But so he's written a book already, very mm -hmm. popular in the library, a book on how to be a champion. And this is a book that's kind of similar in the, in the same vein in that it's a self-help book. Mm -hmm. But I love his voice. It's very, mm -hmm. you read it and you feel like he's actually just sitting yeah. down and talking to you over a cup of tea and yep. a slice of tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of the title and what were your thoughts? I liked it. He's very direct with his titles, mm -hmm. but I, I wanted to focus particularly on the subtitle because I like books that do that. I said the same thing too. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so the, what's, the subtitle is How to Find Your Voice and Make a Difference. So what did you think of it? The, the, the idea of being able to find your voice is an interesting one. Mm -hmm. And I liked what he'd said. He makes this brilliant point in the book that the very book that you are holding, other people will hold it and mm -hmm. they'll read it and they will be absorbing it in the same way mm -hmm. that you are right now. And I like the thought that if enough people do that and you can speak up about what's important mm -hmm. to you, then you can make real change. Yeah. I said something similar as well. I've, I wrote down that finding your voice is so important. I think it's something that people find really hard to do. Like in terms of, I think for me, I, I didn't find something that I, I really cared about until I was a bit later in life. You know, probably when I left school, but I think it's really important to find something that you really care about and something to fight for. And it kind of gives you a bit of purpose and direction in life. But how would you sum up the book in a single sentence? Oh, so I cheated this week. Um, <laughs> so I may have taken something from the blurb. I thought it really summed up well. So I just said it's a book about the power of kindness. And that's on the blurb at the back. I'm very sorry for cheating. I, I should have just not said anything. I would have got, gotten away with it. <laughs> so, do you know, sometimes I think if you find someone has said it better than you, as long as you quote it and yep. give credit mm -hmm. where it's due, which she did, mm -hmm. I think that's... And it is, you know, he talks about kindness all the way through the book. Yeah. And I, I like that. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I thought a self-help book with a fantastic coach mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah. it feels like he's really mm -hmm. he's in your corner he's beside you and he's championing mm -hmm. you and, and finding your voice and everything and that it was quite unlike a lot of self-help books mm -hmm. that, I, that you might you know be used to reading and things mm -hmm. there wasn't anything really complicated yeah gives you little things at the end to try but nothing nothing too yeah. arduous i also think as well like the way he writes he, he's, his personality just shines through you can just tell that he's just a genuinely nice person who genuinely cares about people and wants people to have the best life possible and you know and to be supported and things like that and I just yeah I think he's he's fab I, I thought he was fab before but I think he's even more fantastic now that I've read this yeah <laughs> he's great. did you have I found it quite difficult to choose a standard character yeah. because it's not a fiction yeah book. so I went for Greg the shopkeeper so for a bit of background so Marcus Rashford talks a bit about his his family life in the book and 
he talks about the fact that he didn't have much money when he was growing up and I think is his mum was his mum a single parent household so. and they she actually worked three jobs you know what a woman just working three jobs to make sure there's food on the table and so sometimes after football training Marcus would go to the local the local shop like the grocery shop and the shopkeeper there was called Greg and Marcus would go buy buy some sweets and they would tell him to keep keep his money don't don't give him any money so he'd give him sweets for free so I think I just we just need more Gregs in the world. Not this, not the pastry or the cake shop. That's great too, but more people like Greg yeah. in the world. And what I love about him as well that you know even now Marcus Rashford is a very famous successful footballer. Marcus has tried to you know pay him back in some way, and he won't accept any form of payment. He's just like nope, just keep it. And one of the things <clears> I really <throat> loved about that is the sense that okay, he's he's not paying back Greg, mm-hmm. but he's paying it forward to all mm-hmm. these other people yes. that are now yep. benefiting from that mm-hmm. one act of kindness, yep. which might just seem. You know, an mm-hmm. ordinary act of kindness, but I suppose no act mm-hmm. of kindness ever is really yeah. ordinary. What about you? Who was your standout character? Well, I wish I'd chosen Greg. <laughs> <laughs> but I think my, my favourite was probably the reader. Mm-hmm. See the way he dresses the oh, reader yeah, through yeah. it? And he, he really, he, he uses the, you, so the mm-hmm. kind of second person address, and you just feel like he is talking mm-hmm. directly to you. And by the time I finished it, I felt, oh wow. You know, because obviously I'm at a different stage of life, mm-hmm. and that people might be trying to figure out yeah. what's important to you and what you are going to use your voice mm-hmm. to try and champion but I, I like the idea of just sitting down and working out what's in, you know what's mm-hmm. important to you yeah. and just shaping it around your interests mm-hmm. and I feel that character if that mm-hmm. the, the reader it, it's different for me than it would mm-hmm. have been for you reading yeah. it and different for anyone picking up the book so I thought it was quite skillfully done. Do you have a standout moment from, from the text what's your the pancake analogy <laughs> of how to get better at doing things? Love it. So <laughs> I'm always, you know, not fond of a spoiler, but I, th- I don't think this is spoiling things too much to say that, you know, you don't give up at the first attempt. Mm-hmm. And his his way of explaining it to people is that whenever you make a batch of pancakes, mm-hmm. the first one's always rubbish. Yes. And, um, you know, you, you learn from the first one, right, I've put too much in or mm-hmm. I need to do it for slightly longer. And he said, I want you to watch the next time that someone makes a batch of pancakes and look at the one on the bottom, mm-hmm. the, the first one, and you'll see the same thing. And it's just like anything, you need mm-hmm. to just keep doing Practice, it. Practice, perseverance. And, I know. Yeah. and I liked it, it's such a great visual analogy yeah. of how you just keep keep persevering. Mm-hmm. I thought it was brilliant. Amazing. Food related, un- of course, unsurprisingly. Always good to have a food related analogy, I love it. <laughs> what about yours? So for me, mine's a slightly different vein. This it kind of got me when, near the start of the text, he starts by describing his experience with the Euro 2020 mm-hmm. tournament and they made it to the final. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just really, really touching because... Obviously, we know what happened. You know, England lost on penalty shootouts and Marcus Rashford describes what happened to him. The backlash that he got was just awful. We obviously heard about it on the news, but hearing it from the person who experienced it made it even more shocking for me. The racist abuse he received online, the fact that, you know, he has this amazing mural in in his hometown that was defaced. I mean, who would go over football? Like, really Mm -hmm. annoys me, but... What I really liked about it, despite the lows that he faced, he then saw the kindness in humanity. So he was receiving lots of nice tweets and people were writing nice messages on his mural. So it showed that showed the good side of humanity too. But he then goes on to talk about something I'm going to read. I've actually got two things to read from the text today because I, I really liked it. After the Euros, he had to take a bit of time out because he had an injury. I think he had the injury during the Euros as well and it affected him playing. It really got to me because I think... Sometimes when we're feeling, when we're having a hard time, instead of just pausing and taking a break, we keep going and keep pushing through and it doesn't make you any better. So he used a remote analogy, so relatable for me because I struggle daily with my remote from my projector. It just never turns on, does my head in. But that made me laugh, but also just the message behind this. So he says, 
Have you ever been watching television and the remote control stopped working? What's the first thing you do? Press it down even harder on the buttons, right? Then you probably try holding the remote at all sorts of different angles, hoping that the signal gets picked up. Then, if the remote is still not working, I bet you've tried putting in new batteries. Or maybe you took the batteries out of something else you have and put them in the remote. Your body and brain can be a bit like the remote control when it's not sending the signals it usually does because your batteries have run out. But rather than press down harder or put yourself at difficult angles, the best thing you can do is stop for a bit and get yourself a fresh pair of batteries. It can be hard to do when things are busy or when you want to reach a goal quickly, but sometimes going at a pace you're comfortable with is better than going as fast as possible. That for me really, it really stuck with me because I think sometimes, particularly with like work and I think people who are studying as well probably maybe feel the same way, like they're just exhausted from studying and homework and all of these things and to then, I think it's really important to remember to stop because you can't, you can't keep going if you're, you're running on empty, pretty much. So I thought it was a really nice analogy and really, really important and a good one to remember. What a master of the analogy. I love it. I know. I love this too. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. There, there are more in the book as well, but these are two of the best ones. Um, Definitely really. the highlights. <laughs> um, what about you for your wild card? What did, what did you think? One of the other things that Mark Strashford is most famous for is his work on anti-food poverty mm -hmm. campaigning and how he started a campaign that made the government change mm -hmm. its mind on how they funded free school meals. What a story. Yeah, yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. incredible. And apparently it all started on World Book Day. <gasps> and I, yes. I got to that bit because I knew the story of how, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it was because someone had written him a letter mm -hmm. for World Book Day asking him to judge a poetry competition. And he ended up, because of his injury, getting a wee bit more involved mm -hmm. in, um, in helping. So the pupil was deaf and mm -hmm. used sign language. So he learned some sign language to say well done for different entries. And because of that, he then started thinking about what else could he do to mm -hmm. support his community and what was he passionate about. And I just love that because, again, you think, well, World Book Day, why do we have mm -hmm. it? What could it lead to? Amazing. Incredible things. So that was my wild card. Oh, love how, that. Yeah. How about you? Oh, well, for somebody who said that they don't like football and was a bit nervous about reading this because of football references, my wild card's also to do with football. <laughs> <laughs> so it's to do with women's football. So I actually, I said that I'm not a massive fan of football. I really enjoy women's football. I also really like the fact that he mentioned why do we need to call it women's football because it's, it's, it's football but women are playing it but that's another story altogether. For me I really enjoyed reading about why women's football is not as popular as it could or should be. He basically says as a professional footballer in the men's game I think it's my responsibility to help support the growth of the women's game too. If someone says girls playing football isn't normal I always ask why not and then try to start a conversation to explain why the women's game is just as amazing as the men's. The difference between the two isn't quality, but opportunity. Did you know that between 1921 and 1971, women's football was banned in the United Kingdom? And you won't believe the reason why. Because decision makers thought it was too popular and distract fans away from the men's game. Women's football has always been brilliant. It's just that the people who were in charge of how the world of football worked tried to get rid of it. So it's now not considered to be as normal as men's football. If you go through history, you will find lots of things are described as normal or traditional, but you'll also find that quite often this thinking has come from people who didn't necessarily want to include everyone. Think about how women's football is called women's football and men's football is just called football. So I'll stop there with that. But I love that because I actually didn't know that. It's just purely that they weren't given the opportunity to do so. And it just makes me so sad to think of all those women who could have been great. We, we know so many famous footballers. Well, actually, I'm, I'm now digging myself into a hole because I'm like, oh, I'm famous footballers. Uh, <laughs> David Seaman, David Beckham. I don't, like, I don't, 
Davids and the 90s. But um, think about their kind of household names. Think yeah. about how many famous women footballers we could have had if they'd just been given the opportunity. And it just sounds a bit like jealousy as well. Like they didn't want to detract from the, the men, so therefore just get rid of women's football altogether. So just even the idea, because obviously we have you know our own football yep. team and about the matches that would not have been played uh, at school with, exactly. just because it was banned. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no idea. Yeah, I neither did I. I love the fact that he's doing... He's doing work for food poverty, but also just an advocate for women as well. What a guy. Like, just, <laughs> just what a guy. I, I think one thing I also really liked about the book is just how simply he puts things. Everything's just so simple and easy to fault, but also it's really profound as well. And that's one of the most beautiful things about it. That's oh, a brilliant book. We have three brand new copies <gasps> in the library yes. ready to go out. So do pop in if you're wanting to they're, read read the same book. They're also It's also bright green as well, so you can't miss it. Like <laughs> It's actually made it easier for me for recommending books. I'll be like, take this one, <laughs> it's bright green. <laughs> and the other one, it, what's the Eura um, Champion is, is bright orange as well, so you can't miss them. <laughs> We are delighted to be joined by Dr. Buzio. Thank you so much for coming along onto the podcast. Very welcome. We have, some, <laughs> we have some questions for you. What book are you reading just now? So it's kind of a continuation of the book that I started over the summer. So I'm reading the, um, the Dark Materials trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read the Northern Lights over the summer, really enjoyed it, because mm-hmm. I got the book gold kind of in one. Mm-hmm. So I kept going and I'm reading The Subtle Knife just now. Mm-hmm. So that's all by Philip Pullman. I really like Philip Pullman books. Did they not make a TV adaptation of it? So or? that's the reason why I started to read it. Right, okay. So I, I watched the original movie with Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. obviously, um, <laughs> and then saw that the, they're doing a remake of the TV show mm-hmm. and really enjoyed it. And I thought, well, I might as well read the book and see how where the source materials come from mm-hmm. and really enjoyed the way it was written. Mm-hmm. And got told by a family member that reading the book and putting it down, I'm like, yes, it's very fair. Good assumption. <laughs> and how do you find it compares yeah. to the TV? I much prefer the book. Yes. No, 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 there's no, no, no. I spend most of my days going, the, the book's better. And they're like, no, it's not. So it's nice that I'm glad that no, you feel I much that way. prefer the book because it's a bit more, you've got the TV show to kind of see how the action mm-hmm. played out, but actually to read it and make my own assumptions on yeah. how the characters look. How what they do and what they're thinking is a lot better, mm-hmm. I think. And that's true because you bring your own imagination yeah. rather yeah. than see someone else's mm-hmm. imagination on screen. No pressure for the next question, yeah. but we wondered if you could tell us about a book that has changed your life. So the way that I kind of went about thinking about this is I don't necessarily have a book, but I think reading in general is something that has changed my life because it's a skill that I've carried on mm-hmm. all the time. Whether it's, well, I did my PhD a couple of years ago, so it's reading lots of research papers and nitpicking papers and all that which uh, is very dull but it's reading for my own pleasure and for my own learning is something Mm -hmm. that has carried me through to where I am now so it's not necessarily the book itself or the source material is how I've used this skill Mm -hmm. over the years and how I've used that to my advantage. It's interesting that you're talking about reading for different purposes. So you mentioned nitpicking over papers and obviously that's a very academic way of reading. And then you're also talking about reading for fun and how I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm not a reader because I don't read in that particular way. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's brilliant to hear you talk about how it's Mm -hmm. had that impact on different areas of your life. It's still something I do now. Mm -hmm. I nitpick papers instead of like kids papers rather than research papers so it's handy mm-hmm. but it's, but it just shows you that reading helps you with all aspects of life and that's something that we're trying to 
get across to all pupils and, mm. and everyone really because it is so important and we can read for pleasure but also it is really important to pick apart and yeah. pick things too it's a really important skill and actually it really helped with when it came to write my thesis this is something that my supervisor may or may not deny but I've been told <laughs> that my thesis is the best written thesis that he's had so far yes. oh wow <laughs> so it's a small win but I think it's because I've got that skill from mm -hmm. reading and seeing how other people have written their research papers and how I can kind of see right that's the standards I have mm -hmm. to set for myself Mm -hmm. and kind of carry that through to me when I came to write my own thesis and how I need to mm -hmm. put my language together and all that. Please come talk to my class because I say this to them all the time as well. <laughs> I can like, give them my 380-page thesis to write me. <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. I'd just be like our guest speaker today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked, you talked a bit about reading and nitpicking, but what about the book that you want to read next? So I keep starting and stopping this book and it really annoys me. It's the Richard Osman Thursday Murder Club. <gasps> oh, I've just finished that, yeah. So it's I've got the book sitting on my nightstand mm -hmm. for a year. It's really um, <laughs> embarrassing, but it's one of those books that I want to read because I do quite like murder mystery books. Mm -hmm. I've read some in the past and I really enjoyed them. So it's a genre that I really do want to keep going mm -hmm. with. So that's the one that I want to start mm -hmm. and actually finish the book. <laughs> It's always an amazing feeling when you finish a book that you've had on your to-read mm -hmm. list for a, for a long mm -hmm. time. And mm -hmm. it really puts me to shame because my boyfriend is a big reader. So I'm not joking when I say the whole bookshelf is all his books and mine just takes <laughs> up a teeny weeny space. But I want to get through my teeny weeny space yes. so that I can you know, claim the win. And I know he's got a whole bunch of books coming out from that same series. So mm -hmm. now I've got a whole bunch of books for me to read from him. The good thing about the Thursday Murder Club is that I, I was kind of like you, that it, it took me a while to get through it because I started reading it and I really enjoyed it, but I don't know what it was. I, I think it was just there was a lot going on with, with school and things like that, so I wasn't reading as much as I, 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 I usually do. But what's good about it is it's so easy to dip back into again and mm. just immerse yourself back in the world, which I really like. It's really, really good. I mean, I only got to chapter two, so I, I can clearly restart <laughs> the book. But no, I, I agree. Mm. It's, I, it's one of those books that I want to dip back mm -hmm. into finish it small win for myself so you'd mentioned earlier on that reading's been a lifelong passion for you but i wondered what's your earliest reading memory it was not an early childhood memory but i grew up going to school in france and when in kind of in my middle schoolish age so we obviously growing up in france you do a lot of the classic french literature mm -hmm. books and theater and stuff and my earliest memory is my french teacher uh reading the section of Cyrano de Bergerac that to raid with I've got to hear the the quote in French it's uh c'est un roc c'est un pic c'est un cap que dis-je c'est un cap c'est une péninsule and him just saying that with the loudest booming voice <laughs> possible me sitting in the middle of the row absolutely scared not gonna lie um of him just shouting out that bit of French literature that is still ingrained in my mind. I really like, you could say it word for word. That yeah, was, that, was, that was amazing. I did have to Google it to make sure that I've got the proper words, but it's still in my mind with him just saying it and then each one of us one by one having to repeat it after him. And that is the fondest memory I have of that French class. And I don't have much, but his name was Monsieur Fleury, like McFlurry. Oh um, and he was an old French man with white, like white hair and just him standing there with the trousers coming up really high on his face <laughs> just shouting and berating us with that line I still remember it can I just ask what does the line mean in, in English so it's a rock it's a, a peak it's a like a mountain cap mm -hmm. what is it it's a mountain cap no it's a peninsula oh. so it's talking about <laughs> I think is the over exaggeration <laughs> of Serrano's nose mm -hmm. and how 
over the top that whole situation was. So it's he he went on his this huge tirade about how the situation he was in. I don't necessarily remember what the book was about. I remember that part. <laughs> um, so Cyrano was going on about how ridiculous the situation he was he was in and just went on this tirade about his his physical appearance because I think at that point he was hiding away for some reason. So he had a fake nose on and that he was, he's being berated about his nose. Mm-hmm. So that's what I remember. <laughs> this old white-haired man just berating us <laughs> with the name Lake McFlurry. I love stuff as well where you, it's not just the words on the page, but you can actually hear the voice mm-hmm. of the person who read it to mm-hmm. you. I yeah. think that's hugely powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I can remember. It does make me think, like sometimes as teachers, what what have we said that will stay with somebody for the rest of their lives? I've had some clangers, and I dread to think what in like twenty years' time, what people if they still remember what I've said, what what will they say about me? What will they say? Hmm. Mine will not be so glamorous. I know that for a fact. I know I've said some really silly things probably in the past, and that's probably the way I'll go. But you know, if if it's a happy memory for people, then. Then that, that's that, that's all you want. Make if it helps them remember mm-hmm. stuff in the course, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I know you kind of touched on not getting around to reading The Thursday Murder Club or working with it, but mm-hmm. is there another book that you haven't got around to reading yet that you'd really like to? So another one that I've got is... Oh, I forgot the name of the title. So they made a movie adaptation of the first one. It's got the lady from Game of Thrones. Oh... Oh, which the blonde lady, the oh, one, the Amelia Clark. Amelia oh, Clark was oh, yeah. in it, and she mm-hmm. was the um, kind of the life assistant. <gasps> Me before you. Yeah, so they've oh, yeah. got a sequel to that oh, of right. the book, okay. and again, it's in my teeny weeny section <laughs> of my bookshelf. Um, I start reading it, but it's kind of falls on from her life after Will. I think that was the name mm-hmm. of the character, and what she does with kind of the skills that she's got, and where she moves on with with her life. So that's a book that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, next, along with um, Thursday Murder Club, mm-hmm. of it's I know it was a page turner when I start reading it, but for some reason, like you said, like mm-hmm. teaching life comes along yeah. and just I put it down, mm-hmm. got distracted, and never finished it. So that's the next one mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I really enjoy. I haven't actually read the book of me before you, but I really enjoyed the film. It's the, a real. The book was really it. good. Mm-hmm. I read. I remember reading the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my f- friend lent me that book, and remember reading it, really enjoying it. Didn't watch the movie, actually. Mm-hmm. That's one of the ones that I didn't watch the film adaptation for. So I just, I'm like, I really like the style that she's written in, so mm-hmm. I just keep going with the second book. But again, didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> the story of my life. <laughs> um, well, I wonder then, I know we've talked a wee bit about books that you're wanting to get around to finishing, but what is your absolute favourite book of all time? So the one that I've written down was Bella Me by Guy de Maupassant. Um, again, it's one of the ones that I, I read at school and it still has a lasting memory for me just because I really enjoyed the way that Bellamy built his way up through society by cheating and kind of swindling people out of money, making up stories. I really enjoyed that and that's something, bizarrely, that's one of the French classical books that I still enjoyed. Um, not read it again. I know my mom's got the book in her giant library, <laughs> but I really, that's the one that I still have good memories of. Although I had to analyse the whole book and different quotes <laughs> and all that as we once did but it's I still and that was the one book that although we studied in class I actually enjoyed reading mm-hmm. it at home and going back to it is something I might do over Christmas mm-hmm. if I find it 
We've talked a lot about kind of revisiting books from from your past and ones that have had an impact. Because I've, I've talked about, oh, probably sick. People who listen to this regularly will be sick about me talking about the taste of the Durbervilles, but I loved it. <laughs> it advanced higher. I loved studying it. We, like you said, we also studied it to the nth degree. But it just sticks with you. And I've, I went and reread it again a couple of years ago when uh, I think it was when I think it was an Easter holiday. I like reading it during spring because it's, it's yeah. a lot about nature and things like that. And yeah, it's great. I, I, I recommend it. It's really good. Oh. I wonder, uh, this is a question that we've not pitched to, but just because it's come out of the chat, but you mentioned reading books in original French, mm-hmm. and I wondered, have you ever read the same book in French and in English, and what you've what you found? I haven't ever, only because I'm the type of person where if something is in the original language, I'd much rather read it and mm-hmm. listen to it in the original language. So I've never re- read any of those books in English. I'd much rather keep it in French, but mm-hmm. it's also a way for me... So I haven't moved away from France for the past 10 years. It's a way for me to kind of keep up my French language Mm -hmm. and my grammar is poor in French grammar. (laughs) So it's a way for me to kind of keep that up. So I tend to to just Mm -hmm. keep it in one language. Mm -hmm. It's bizarre for me whenever I go home and my dad's watching an English show in French and I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) He's like, you remember that French is my first language. I'm like, right, yep, that makes sense. That makes sense that you're watching an American show in French. Whereas I would much rather watch source material in the original mm-hmm. language. I'm learning French and one of the best tips I got was trying try to watch TV shows mm-hmm. with subtitles and then the audio to try and, and get better at it. So I do that as well. So I grew up, I was born in Japan and I grew up watching the the Ghibli movies. Oh yeah. They're my favourite movies of all time and they're all on Netflix so I've been re-watching them as they came back on and that's the same thing, I watched them in Japanese with English subtitles mm-hmm. because I regrettably lost my ability to speak in Japanese I can understand it but I can't Mm -hmm. speak it and it's a shame because my nan and my aunt still live over there so I watch all those movies and any of those cartoons in Japanese with Mm -hmm. English subtitles to kind of Mm -hmm. revisit Mm -hmm. my own knowledge Mm -hmm. doesn't work very well just now (laughs) because I'm still I mean I've not gone back in a while so I've not been able Mm -hmm. to kind of test my knowledge Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. me teacher talking (laughs) (laughs) but it's something that I want to keep up, so that's the way I've mm-hmm. gone around it. That's really nice. That it's the, it's mm-hmm. the reading and absorbing in stories, and that's yeah. the way mm-hmm. that you're staying connected with mm-hmm. it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. That was, that was fascinating. <laughs> yeah, <brilliant. laughs> Time for your favourite one. Actually, Miss McLean, I'm going to put this as a challenge onto the podcast. On record, right, I would like your New, Year, New Year's resolution to be, can you do what you read in January? <laughs> right, January, January. Right, so two months from now, lots of time to practice. <laughs> I'll listen back to previous <laughs> podcasts to practice. <laughs> so, what are you reading? I am reading, I'm actually reading two things. Cool. I can give you the official answer, which is I'm reading The Trial by Franz Kafka. Oh, um, so there's other people in the school. I saw them with that book today. There ah, we go. Yep. So this is, again, I mentioned this in the previous episode that Miss Marks and I are running a challenge club mm-hmm. for fourth years. So this is the book we've chosen oh, okay. this month. And it's it's quite a surreal tale, so I've had to really persevere mm-hmm. with it. And I'll be honest, it's not. I've not reached for it with a big smile on mm-hmm. my face. My second read... I have because it's the Terry's Chocolate Orange Cookbook. <gasps> oh, yes. I know. <laughs> I, my sister was given it and she passed it on to me and she's like, just have that for Christmas. And I think she's hoping mm-hmm. that I'll read the book and come back with 
amazing, amazing chocolate things. things. Oh. So I have to admit, that's that's what I've been choosing for Drop Everything and Read this week for Book Week Scotland. <laughs> also, kudos to your sister for her forward planning. Like, I love this. Like, it's such a, <laughs> such a good idea. I might try that on my family too. Like, do, do. This. this is definitely the time of year to do it. <laughs> so good. What are you reading just now? I'm still reading Thursday Murder Club, but I'm more into, I'm actually listening to an audiobook just now. I'm listening to the audiobook of Nick Grimshaw, so it's autobiography, called Soft Lad. And it's, so Nick Grimshaw, for those of you who don't know, is a famous ex-Radio 1 DJ, I think TV presenter too. He's hilarious, he's so funny. His life, growing up in the north of England, kind of coming to terms with being gay and his, the struggles he faced with accepting his uh, sexuality. It's really, really good. But just also really funny. Also, it describes his love of dogs in a lot of detail, and it really resonates with me. Does he read out the audio? <laughs> he does. Yeah. Oh. So he's got a great, he's got a great reading voice. His former DJ. I guess yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. So yeah, really enjoying that for just now. What about watching? What are you watching? I'm I'm about to start watching. I can't make up my mind because mm-hmm. this is tis the season, sort of getting into the you know the holiday period, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm thinking it's either going to be Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. or Harry Potter, and I just can't make up my mind. So obviously. Both of them are a bit of a commitment mm. and it will see me through the next couple of months, but any any recommendations about which I should choose? I, I would usually say Lord of the Rings anytime, but mm. I feel Harry Potter's really Christmassy. Like, you know how ITV all show oh, yeah. um, Harry Potter in the run-up to Christmas? I just feel it's synonymous with Christmas, so I think for this time of year... I think it will because it's been a couple of years yeah. since I've seen the films. And yeah. Lord of the Rings, as uh, you love it, so it could be for good, good for January blues, like, and that could be oh. a pick me up. Do you know what? That's why I limit myself to just one series. That's true. I can just watch the other one straight after. <laughs> um, what are you watching just now? Oh well, quite a few things. I've just finished The Crown, so the new series, oh, The, the new Crown. Series. Yeah, so I, I may have binged it. I tried to limit myself to maybe like one or two episodes a day, but I think at the weekend I just end up watching loads. But it's just fab. So it's the The Crown. It's about the royal family in the 90s it's all about the Charles and Diana divorce but that that's kind of the main story but I love all the other little stories as well like about Princess Margaret I love all the stuff with John Major I know it's not fact it's a fictionalized version of history but I do like that there are some historical events in there that I didn't necessarily know about so I'm watching that and also watching White Lotus as well oh brilliant um it's the second series that's basically about rich people on holiday somewhere nice the last series was in hawaii this series is in sicily and it's filmed near you know where they filmed the godfather and things like that but there's a murder but we don't know you don't know who it's going to be that's a great thing about it you see the kind of the end of the holiday in the first few minutes of the episode and then it builds up to that for a moment i thought you were talking about reality tv when you said murder you're like what that took a dark turn it's honestly I can't recommend it enough Jennifer Coolidge is in it and her facial expressions I just I could watch her I could watch her just eat a slice of toast like anything love her Aubrey Plaza I love her from Parks and Rec she's in it too just absolutely fab so yeah that's, that's a good one good watching And that's it for this episode of Book Blither, Fact, Fiction and Fabulousness. Thank you so much for joining us for Nonfiction November and to celebrate Book Week Scotland. Make sure you tune in for December's episode, the last of 2022. Until then, keep sharing stories.